Welcome to the Retirement Risk Show, the best retirement interviews and advice with Dave Hall. Learn strategies to help you reduce and even eliminate the risks facing your retirement. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Dave Hall. I am your host. We are here again talking about your retirement. I hope your summer is going as well as mine is. I have been so busy with traveling for family, various work projects that we've been doing, and trying to educate all of you on the various risks that you will face in your retirement. My new book is out, Getting Safely Through Retirement. It's now been probably a month, two months uh, that we've had it out. It's on all the platforms that you can buy books on. We've got at Walmart, to Barnes and Noble, Amazon, our website, you name it, uh, it's out there. Very excited to have that available for you. So go to our website, retirementriskadvisors.com. You'll be able to get access to that or those other fine retailers. Also, we have our Shatter Your Retirement live event that we've been doing now for about two months. It has been a big success. People are getting so excited about their retirement. It's a four-hour deep dive course. We do it over two days. Uh, we'll usually do a two-hour course uh, the first day where we cover some of the risk. And then we do a two-hour course the second day. I would love to have you there. There is no cost for this. You can come as my guest. You won't have to pay anything. Going to get some of the best retirement education you have ever received. If you would like to learn more about what we do, you can go to our website, uh, retirementriskadvisors.com, get access to the other resources we have as well. Very excited about today's show. About a year ago, if you've been listening to this show for a while, you may remember that we had an individual on our show named Cameron Huddleston. She is back, and I'm so excited to have her. She wrote a book called Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk. This was written back in 2019. Our last show, we talked a little bit about that and talking to parents. Today, we're going to carry on the conversation. So, Cameron, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me back. Cameron, we had a little bit of an opportunity to catch up on the kids and what's going on before the show, but what's going on in your life right now since we last met? It's hard to believe it's been a year since we did our last show. It is. Time flies when you're busy, right? (laughs) (laughs) It does. So I I am a a mom of three kids, uh, one who is just finished her freshman year of college. I've got a rising senior and I have a son who is going to be starting middle school. Oh, (laughs) goodness help me. They keep me busy. I also stay super busy with my full-time job as director of education and content at Careful, which is a digital platform that was built to help protect aging adults' daily finances and to help support any financial caregivers they might have, adult children or family members who are involved in their finances. And so I work there full time. And then I'm also doing podcasts like this to spread the word about the importance of having family money conversations. Are you still writing a lot of third party articles? I know you did a lot of that for decades. Are you still doing some of that or not so much now with this full time position? So I am writing for careful. We have a blog called Take Care, and I I write most of our articles for Take Care. They're all free. Lots of articles related to protecting your finances as you age. And if you are a family caregiver, uh, the financial side of caregiving. 
So that's what I focus on now. I know when we met last time, again, she's written articles that have been published in most of your main magazines across the country. In fact, many times, many of us have read her articles and not realized it. I know for myself that I had no idea she was the one behind all of that great content. But it's a pleasure to be back with you and to be talking about these conversations. Last time, we focused pretty extensively on conversations between us and our parents. And I definitely want to talk about that some today. But I also want to talk about just the overall financial conversations we need to have. It seems like we as Americans, and maybe it happens in other countries too, but we as Americans just do not talk about it near enough. And as a result, I think it's hurting many of us uh, in our financial situation. Uh, any comments on that? I agree that it is hurting us in our financial situations. I know people often think of money as a taboo topic. It's personal. Who needs to know the details of my finances. And and unfortunately, there's a lot of shame around money. You're either embarrassed to talk to other people about your finances because you know or assume that you earn less than the other person or that you have less, or maybe you're embarrassed because you have more. And so we, we stay away from this topic. In fact, I was raised by my father not to talk about money. Don't talk about money. It's impolite. Don't ask people how much money they make. Don't ask people how much they spent on certain things. And so that was what was instilled in me as I was growing up. That is not the case in my family. We have been talking to our kids about money since they were young enough to understand the concept. Obviously, I had to have those conversations not with my father because he passed away when he was 61. We didn't have those conversations. But when my mother was diagnosed at 65 with Alzheimer's, I had to have those conversations to get the details of her finances because I had to take over the management of her finances as Alzheimer's disease progressed. And I think it's a really big mistake not to share at least a certain level of information with your family members because I hate to get kind of depressing here, but the truth is most of us are going to need support with our finances as we age. And I'm not talking about the type of support that you, Dave, or other financial professionals provide. I'm talking about support from family and trusted friends who are going to help you with daily money tasks because there is a high risk of developing some sort of cognitive decline or a health issue that's going to require care and support from others. Even if you don't have health issues, as we age, if we live long enough, there is a natural decline in our ability to manage our finances and to make financial decisions. And so it's good to have someone there who's essentially has our backs, you know, who knows what is normal for us, who can spot those changes in our financial behavior. And if we keep it all a secret, really, we're putting ourselves at a greater risk of fraud and exploitation. We're putting ourselves at a greater risk of making money mistakes, and no one's going to be there to catch them. And then guess what? All those savings we've worked so hard to build in our lives, we've blown them because we're experiencing cognitive decline and no one's catching those mistakes or we're giving our money away or someone is taking our money from us. 
And you see it even amongst spouses that oftentimes they're not talking about it. As a CPA, I run the finances in our family. Uh, I'm happy to have my wife be as involved as she'd like to be, but she's not involved. I I mean, as long as there's enough money in the bank account to cover the credit card, she's happy with that. And she's not a big spender, so I'm happy with that for right now. But because of the involvement with our two kids that are disabled and the amount of work there and raising uh, six other children and going through that process, she's been busy. So we do have open conversations more so than others, but I see it with people I work with. Once taking care of the finances, the other one has no idea. It's like one spouse passes away, all of a sudden the other's going, I have no idea even what we have. I have no idea what our budget should be. I have no idea on any of this stuff. And that's a mistake. It is because you never know what can happen. Your spouse or partner could pass away, or maybe it's not something that extreme. There's an accident, or maybe there's an illness, and that spouse or partner who's managing the finances no longer has the bandwidth to manage those finances because perhaps there's a cancer diagnosis, and they're dealing with just getting through that. And so the other spouse or partner has to step in and start managing things. And if they don't know where to start, You know, that's just one more thing you've got to figure out as you're trying to deal with that health crisis at hand. And so it is really important for people who are in a relationship to not only just kind of have a general idea, but to have those details. Like I have, I keep a list of all my passwords so that my husband can access my accounts if he has to. He has created that same list for me so that if something happens to him, I can access those accounts. At least that's a place to start. Yeah. My parents went through this on their side and and happened once before they both passed away, but then really happened uh, when my mom passed away. So my mom comes down with cancer and and she ends up living through it, but she gets breast cancer. We don't have treatment facilities in the city we lived in. So she had to go to Northern Utah to stay with an aunt and uncle. So my father, for the first time, probably in their married life, had to start dealing with the finances. Now his typical model was, I will give you my paycheck 100%. You do whatever you want before online banking and all that. So I don't think you ever even looked at the statement or anything else. Like, okay, I know I gave you X. I know you've got a bunch of bills to pay for the family. So I'm going to assume that gets taken care of. I'm going to go collect pop cans to buy my snacks, supplies, whatever he needed. So that's exactly what he did. You know, he'd get his 20, 40, 50 bucks from his pop cans every month that he would buy his own stuff. And then the family would get the rest of that check. Well, my mom comes down with this cancer and now he's got to deal with all the finances. And one of the first things that he had to do was deposit his paycheck. So for the first time in their whole married life, right, he's got to sign the back of the check and deposit, which he knew how to do. But a week later, it comes back from the bank saying, sorry, Mr. Hall, someone's forged your paycheck. We're not going to accept this check. First time in probably 30 years that my dad had actually signed his paycheck and they got through that. But, you know, just a funny story that how big of an impact these things can have. And unfortunately, when my mom did finally pass away, it was a real struggle for my dad to figure out just budgeting and making sure bills got paid. That story is great because it highlights the importance of making sure that everyone in the family is on board, informed, so that when those emergencies arise, and they do, without a doubt, those emergencies are going to pop up, that the other person who's not typically in charge can 
step in and keep things going without the bank telling you that you forged the signature on your own paycheck. <laughs> and it's not as hard as it sounds from my experience with my own children, uh, being in the finance world and working through these issues with families. It, they don't need to know every detail necessarily. You don't need to become a CPA or a financial expert that's writing articles and books across the country to be able to have these conversations. It's basic stuff like you mentioned with lists, just saying, hey, I, I've got a place and we're working on a platform right now, we should have available very soon where people can keep all that information saying, okay, if someone passes, I've got a vault that's going to have everything that they need and, and they're going to get a password before I pass away to where they can get into there so that they can take action on these various things. But again, it's just simple conversations of, hey, here's where the money is. Hey, this is what we're living off of every month. These are things you should be aware of or concerned with. Uh, Stuff like that is from what I've seen. What are some of your thoughts? I think another good thing that you can try to incorporate in your family is a, a weekly or at least maybe a monthly money date with your partner to sit down and just kind of go over what's going on with your finances, where you stand. You know, if, you, if you're careful about tracking a budget, you know, you can discuss that. Hey, we, we stayed on track this month or hey, we need to rein in some spending in this area. Hey, I just signed up for this new service. So this is going to be coming out of our checking account each month or hey, look how well our retirement account is doing. Just that regular check-in, get into a habit of that. That's a good way to keep everyone informed. It's also a good way to look at your goals, at least first of all, to establish some goals that are, you know, based on what your family values and then seeing how good of a job you're doing toward achieving those goals, those monthly or weekly money dates can help you do that. Yeah. And then, you know, bringing the kids in to a certain degree, like you said, you don't have to tell everything. You don't have to tell your kids how much you're making unless you want to. You don't have to tell your kids how much is in the checking account or in the savings account unless you want to, but at least giving them a general idea. And that's going to pay off as your kids get older, especially when they're looking at college, because it won't come as a shock to them if they've already always had their heart set on going to an Ivy League school and you have to suddenly tell them, well, that's not in the budget. <laughs> Yeah, it takes away a lot of that shock that can end up happening. That Even for an older couple where you thought maybe your spouse was putting a bunch of money away for retirement and that it was growing quite rapidly and find out that either one, there was nothing being put away or two, it was invested in a way that it, it got lost, had a bunch of uh, losses inside of there. We've talked openly to our kids from day one about finances. As a result, most of them are pretty good with money. One, we've got one daughter that struggles a little bit more than the others, but I remember back when my old the son was eight years old. At that time, we had a convenience store. He had worked all summer. But you know, it's going to sound really bad that I, I was like a child uh, labor abuser back then, but we would pay him $2 for every hour he wanted to work in the store. So on his own during the summertime, he would get up at six or seven o'clock and open that store. Now, typically it wouldn't have opened till eight or nine. I'm like, okay, if you're going to work here, uh, you can open it and you can stay as long as you want. So many days he'd open it at six or seven and people had come in early and he'd stay till nine or 10. And as a result, he had substantial amounts of money, even at $2 for an eight-year-old, he had substantial amounts of money by the end of the summer. And we uh, got school time and we get a phone call from the principal. 
We're like, okay, that's a pretty good son. I'm not sure why the principal's calling. He's like, well, we got a problem with your son. He's walking around the school with $200 in his wallet. <laughs> and I had to laugh a little bit. I, you know, obviously, he shouldn't have been having $200 in cash as an eight-year-old, but I'm going, this was just his money. He had earned far more than that. Uh, he, he knew what to do with it, and he just happened to take it to school with him. But And not that we want our kids doing that, but it's opened the door to him to where throughout his life we could talk about principles like that. You know, other thing, mistakes they made with money because he had it, and we'd openly discussed it, where now hopefully as adults they're a little more responsible than families where they've never had those discussions. I agree, because this is where your kids are going to learn about money. At home, most schools are not teaching the basics of personal finance, if they do offer a course, it's typically not until high school. It's usually an elective. And so you you really do need to educate your kids on how to manage money wisely, especially if you don't want them relying on you for financial support <laughs> the rest of their lives. You know, you want to teach them to be financially responsible adults. And so you have to lay that groundwork and you also have to model good behavior. For them. And I know that's not always easy for us as adults. We're like, oh, what are we going to do? It's the weekend. Let's go shopping. You know, well, if, if that's how, <laughs> if that's what you're doing every weekend, then that's what, you know, your kids are going to see as a form of entertainment. And so you want to think about not only the message, but what you're showing them through your actions. But it is, it is important to make money part of the conversation at home. And I've had, I've always surprised when I talk to other parents and they're like, oh, I don't want to talk to kids about money. It just seems so stressful and I don't want to stress them out. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It doesn't have to be a stressful conversation if you talk about it in a natural way. I mean, it can be as simple as taking your kids grocery shopping with you and showing them how to compare prices and helping them create that grocery budget. It doesn't have to be a heavy topic. My middle son, Cody, and I've been very close and I've been very close with all my kids, but since the time he was a baby, he was very happy as soon as he learned that he could go with dad to go with me doing anything. I mean, I could have been going to shovel manure. I could have been going to, you know, this Taj Mahal and he would have come with me. He's just been that kind of kid. And so as a result, we've had this good relationship. Well, I'm one who believes there's plenty of money for everyone. So I'm not a real budget follower. I'm just, Hey, we're very conservative. We're not going to spend what we make. I'll happily give it away to other people. And so watching that through the years that, you know, dad would give people money all the time, you know, it's just, okay, dad's just generous with what he has. All of a sudden, as he got older, he started doing it, uh, doing it for me. And that was an eye opener. And all of a sudden we're sitting there talking to one of the older kids and they're having a financial issue. He's like, oh, don't worry about it. Dad will go ahead and buy that for you. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. It's like, I appreciate that you've learned the fact of giving, but you've got to understand we don't, don't just spend other people's money for them. And, uh, you know, he did it multiple times. I mean, hopefully we've got him to a point now he stopped doing that, but he was just very open to say, yeah, dad'll get that for you. Or we'd be talking to somebody on the street where, yeah, my dad'll pay for that. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, Cody, we, we got to stop here. But you, you, what you say is exactly right. This is what they learn at home. And, and if we do it long enough, we can weed out the bad stuff. Again, it's taken my kids a while with certain things that they've done to really get to a point that it's like, oh, you don't quite understand that the way I thought you did. We need to have a little deeper discussion for you to understand it. I agree. And it's interesting because each kid is different. You know, my oldest is a natural saver. Uh, my middle child is really kind of in the middle, a nice balance. And then my youngest, he's, he's a spender. 
And especially, you know, he loves to spend mom and dad's money. So. <laughs> well, it looks like you may have him around for quite a while. That's the way that works on parenting and what we look at. Some of the other things that you cover, and, and our time's coming to, to a quick end, but some of the other things you cover is the importance of not only putting financial stuff in place, but really even from our own well-being. You've talked already about our cognitive decline that can happen and those type of things. Can you talk a little bit as we wrap up of just, you know, what are some other things people need to have put together that I know you ended up having to deal with with your own family situation that hopefully will help others say, hey, it's not just finance, but even from our health concerns, these are some things you can do to better prepare. Well, I'm certainly going to start with some of those financial things that you need to have in place. Life insurance, <laughs> not just for the breadwinner, but if you've got a stay-at-home spouse or partner, that person also needs life insurance because if something happens to that person, you got to hire someone to take care of the kids or take care of the house. Life insurance is, is really important. There need to be estate planning documents in place, a will or trust that spells out who gets what when you die, because if you die without one, state law determines it. And it's I think it's a really awful thing to do to your family to be like, oh, well, whatever, let them figure it out. Don't do it. It's going to lead to finding. This is a gift to the people you leave behind to put your wishes in writing. You also want a financial power of attorney, someone to make financial decisions for you if you can't. Because if something happens, if you end up with dementia, Alzheimer's disease, you need to have already named someone you trust to make decisions for you. You need a healthcare power of attorney, someone to make medical decisions for if you can't. You need an advanced directive or living will that spells out what sort of end-of-life medical care you do or do not want. Having these documents in place while you are still healthy and young and mentally competent is, it's essential. It's an essential step that everyone should take. And you need to let your family know where these documents are located and how they can access them because it's not going to do anyone any good if they can't find them. It's also really good to talk about what your final wishes are. And this is not a conversation that necessarily needs to wait until you're really old because you don't know how long you're going to live. And again, you know, if you, if you care about where you're buried or whether you're cremated or buried, you need to let your family know because when you pass away, it's going to be such a difficult time for the people you leave behind, but you're going to make it easier by letting them know what those wishes are because it's one less decision that they have to make. And I say this from experience because my father didn't do it and it was a nightmare. My mom did. And I was able to honor those wishes and boy, it felt good to be able to do that for her. Yeah, to be able to take that worry out of am I doing what they would want to have done in this situation, such a blessing to be able to do that. And I appreciate so much the things that you share and the importance of doing these things. There's billions of dollars of life insurance that gets unclaimed because people don't let their beneficiaries know where it is. There's money that gets lost. Situation with one of my friends that uh, he'd come down the street one day, someone was cleaning out a house. I assumed that someone had passed away and there was a safe setting in all the debris of the, the wall destruction and everything else. And he's thinking, I, I guess I'll pick that up. You know, it's on the curb to go to the garbage. It's just going to go to the dump. Maybe I'll pick it up and see what's in it. He goes home, gets it opened up. 
$130,000 is in this safe that nobody knew. Again, they, they'd cleaned it out. They did brought in a crew to redo the house. And it's like, hey, we're just going to throw everything to the curb. That can happen consistently. And it's not just money. It's like you talk about, it's the wishes, the, the emotional side, where we want family heirlooms to go, who we want to be able to enjoy those as we move forward. And it all comes down to conversations. We've got to stop being afraid of having what we might consider to be an awkward conversation. Because if you don't have those conversations, really, it can end up being a lot more awkward. Cameron, it's been an absolute pleasure having you. If you'd let our listeners know how they can get access to some of these great articles you are now writing as we wrap things up, that would be great. So you can always visit me at my website, which is CameronHuddleston.com. And if you go to Get Careful with two L's, GetCareful.com, you can see lots of Great articles that I've written on our Take Care blog. And she also still has her book out there, Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk. Great uh, resource to open up those conversations. And she is also a public speaker. So if you happen to need someone to talk on this topic, she's available to do so. My name's Dave Hall. I'm your host. I look forward to seeing each of you again next week, where we'll cover another risk that you're going to face during those retirement years. And that's today's episode. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. The Retirement Risk Show is a production of the Retirement Risk Advisors. Our show was produced by C.R. Talene and Autumn Koenig. If you're a CPA looking for more retirement education, visit retirementriskadvisors.com.